Take a trip with us to New Bach. Just promise not to drink the goo. If you get sucked into the matrix, we will send a phone for you. Do you believe in fate? But every movie has a plot hole. Welcome to a new, a rip-roaring new episode of the Plotaholics podcast. I'm joined, as always, by the tannest of all Brian's, Brian Tan. Uh, I like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that uh, was great. Oh, that was good. And uh, Brian, how are you this week? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. I'm, um, I have not eaten any souls. I'll chalk that up as a win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause you know, so, hey, sometimes you know you, you just you just got to chow down on a life force, man. It's true. I've been cutting back. Uh, <laughs> life forces are a little heavy in saturated fat. Uh, yeah, the calories are the worst. Yeah, uh, the souls that I eat always show up right on my hips. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing that I did do after one of our discussions. I did go back and I watched the episode of It's Always Sunny in yes, Philadelphia. Yes, I wanted to ask you about that. I did watch that episode <laughs> where the gang goes black. Yeah. And oh my God, <laughs> comedy gold. It is one of their, it's one of the best episodes of like the latter day Always Sunny seasons. Yeah. I mean, wow. Like there's a reason why this show this show is going to be on the air for as long as these guys feel like doing it for sure. And honestly, they are, st- it's like, it's almost like the live action South park because it really it still is. works like the four, like it, every episode isn't a banger. Like they were at one point, but they're still, I say 50 to 60% every season is really good. And I think the, a lot of that success is the same as the South Park success. The the network doesn't force them to do 24 episode runs. They let them make as many as they want every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that, that their creativity is able to work in that, in that way. Right. And I think that, and it's really, it's the genius of Rob McEnany because he, I mean, and the thing is he's so laid back with yeah. just how he is as a person. I think that that's also what sort of gives rise to the success because he doesn't allow himself to get caught up in becoming Hollywood. You know, right. he, he stays true to who he is. And yeah. I feel like all four of them have remained pretty grounded. I, I agree. I think the only one that's even remotely started Hollywooding and not even all that much has been Charlie day. Yeah. Now Charlie day has, has had some like film roles and things like that, but I don't even know that he sees himself as wildly successful. Like no, he's still just Charlie. You he's know? just Charlie. Yeah. And Charlie's the one 
like other than um D Sweet D who's had TV shows mm-hmm. and you know um Glenn Hallerton who's done um who's Next done time. AP Bio but like Rob McKinney just sort of sticks with it's always sunny. Yeah. And, and the writing directing stuff and the writing and directing. Yeah. He's done some other things, but you don't see him in front of the camera much on those other projects. Right. And, um, I really think that at the end of the day, that's really what works because they do, they, they stay as these grounded people Mm -hmm. because it's like, they're living their dream. They don't need anything more. And I think that we need a lot more of that in, in the biz yeah i and and that i think that episode is it's both hilarious but it's also really poignant right it it really is because they really point out so many of the differences and it's a lot more sensitive yeah than i expected it to be which goes to show that these guys that they know what's up they know what's going on well, and they are capable of evolution, right? Because Glenn Howerton has uh, said that his greatest regret about Always Sunny in Philadelphia was how they used the slang word tranny in the early seasons. Right. Uh, and that now he knows better than that and that they're trying to make, like, make that right in newer episodes. And, and I really appreciate but But they do that without losing the edge. Right. And it's just like you said, it, it's growth. You know, just because you grow as a person doesn't mean you have to lose the edge that got you there. I mean, yeah, that series and South Park, I think, are kind of models. Like anybody that says that like PC culture is ruining everything, like you're not watching these shows because these shows are not PC, but they're still respectful. Right. Uh, and, even, and even if they do go and they make fun of certain things, there are consequences. Right. And, and I think that that's probably the biggest problem of some of it is that people don't suffer consequences for their actions and always sunny. The gang has all the gang suffers consequences every episode. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just maybe oblivious to that, but they do suffer. Right. Cause I mean, even with the very first episode, the gang gets racist. God, what a good episode. That is such an amazing episode. (laughs) But it, and it's like they're so terrible. And I think that's what endeared me to the show is that this isn't just horrible people being horrible and being rewarded. They get rewarded. And then it's worse is that then it gets snatched away. Yeah. And that's probably worse. Case in point in the episode of South Park, Cartman got all that money, bought himself a theme park, wouldn't let anyone in, and then got mad because it was successful and couldn't ride sells it back for pennies on the dollar and doesn't realize how screwed he was. Right. Yeah. I've been doing, I've been working through the um, always sunny catalog again. Mm -hmm. And I just saw the episode where they um, all went to therapy. (laughs) It's so good. I got to get, I got it. I'm, I'm still on season six. I skipped ahead. I'm still on season six, but it's like when I do have the time I'm bouncing between it's always sunny and fear the walking dead. Yeah, um, that episode. This is after the season where Matt gets fat and then he like loses his weight again. That's awesome. And the therapist is like, um, "You've lost, you've lost, you gained and lost sixty pounds in like three months." She's like, "That's imp- that's almost impossible." And he goes, "Well, first of all, through God, all things are possible." So go ahead and write <laughs> that down. <laughs> I was so I I remember that and that was hilarious. <laughs> like I love I love how just 
how just like how much of a zealot Mac is, but it's hilarious. And watching him do the mental gymnastics to be such a zealot and also live the way he lives is one of the most interesting parts of the show. It really is. Like if that's not an indictment of the sort of religious um, hypocrisy that goes on in this country. I right. don't know what it's especially in later seasons that you haven't watched yet where Mac finally comes out of the closet. Oh, now, man, I can't wait. Yeah, I cannot wait. And I'll tell you the truth. One thing that I really love about the show, even though. Although technically, when we go on tangents like this <laughs> tangent, when uh-huh. we go on these tangents, they usually have nothing to do with our advertised content. But this has more to do with our advertised content than anyone realizes unless they're you know, don't know unless they know exactly what we're going to be talking about today. And they're like, Hey, I can, I can cross those T's and dot those lowercase J's. Honestly, I don't even know if I can dot those T's and square those J's the lowercase J's. Well, because we brought up the fact that how South park is able to do the same thing. And our, our advertised content today is the 1998 comedy classic quote unquote basketball starring the creators and stars of South Park, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah, doing here their best South Park impressions. Honestly. They were doing that well, is it impressions if I know, right? Job? I mean that's sort of the thing. It's it's you know, when I was I don't even know where to start with this stupid thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know what's crazy is that there was a point in time that this was probably among my favorite movies. So when I was in, I was thinking about when I had watched it last and it had to be college. um, And it it occurred to me as I was watching it this time that I think I have always in my brain, I've always thought it was better than it is because of Matt Stone and Trey Parker, who I think are actual geniuses. But here, their talents are not being used. Uh, they're just, they're not great actors. Um, they've got really great brains, right? And they do really interesting voice acting stuff, but they're not great actors. Well, I don't think they, I don't think they were trying to be great actors. I think that this was something where it's like, hey, you guys, this show has been doing great. Um, you've got to do something in addition to and they're like you know dude i don't i don't think i i want to and they're like oh but you have to they're like all right dude here you go <laughs> be careful what you wish for the i think um so I, I and i think that every time i've watched this movie i had the exact same experience which is the first 25 or 30 minutes is so funny and then it just starts to fall apart for me. It's like too long. It's too boring. It's like the same kinds of jokes over and over again. Right. Like it's just an hour and 48 minutes of this. This is what we wanted to do. This is what we wanted to do for two hours. This it's, it's just, <laughs> it's, um, it's a less than stellar. It, it, it's not even some, it's not even like a South Park episode. It's just no. like this literally is just, we were made to do this. So here you go. Yeah. Um, that doesn't that, mean that there's not parts of this movie that makes me laugh, make me howl. Because right. even last night, revisiting this movie, because this came out 
when I was, you know, 19 years old, no, 18, 19 years old. So I was at that point where I You're felt like prime real estate for this one. I, I, this movie was made for Brian Tan circa 1998. Yeah, <laughs> it truly sure. was. And I loved it. Um, I loved it back then. Like I said, parts of it are very funny, but mm-hmm. it just starts to wear thin after a little while. The The plot is. I mean, hell, the plot is the movie that we watched last week, basically. Um, <laughs> it's just I mean, but then again, like how many different sports team oriented plots can you really come up with? Right. Like it's always like we're, we we are underdogs and we have to win. Or we have to save the team or we have to save the ski lodge from shutting down because the big corporate interests are moving in and trying to drill for oil. Or we've got, you know, like save the mountain, you know, that kind of stuff or save the community center. Like it's always save something, <laughs> right? Yeah. You've always got to save something like the whole. Well, I think that- how else do you lend weight to a game? Right. Right. But honestly, I think the one thing that makes this movie so good, though is that if this game were real, how awesome would it be? It would be incredibly boring. No. Yes. There's nothing entertaining about this game. Of course there is. No. The psych outs alone are awesome. It's a, oh, so you All think you, that we're going to be able to hear that on television? On of sensors? course. You mic them. No. I mean, if you honestly, if you do this, you could do a show like this. Also, the psych outs were all stupid. Well, and, and like. Have you ever had somebody psych you out and then you fall over? Like, that's what they all did. That's I've all wanted to. They're like, I banged your mother and people were just falling on the ground. Well, I mean, that's just and ridiculous. Also, like, I mean, that also, aspect of it is ridiculous. You're not going mean, to miss a shot because, I mean, you can miss a shot because you, someone's distracting you. But have you, ever, have you ever been on the court and had somebody say some stuff to you that just throws you off? Uh, yeah, but I did not fall down. Well, of course you're not gonna fall down, Shane Wilson. But I mean, come on, they're 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 overemphasizing the the the, the insanity. I mean, of look, it. here's what they did: they took the most boring parts of every one of these sports and put them into one. Right? They t- <laughs> they gave us basketball without the running and dribbling, and they gave us baseball without. Well, because that shit is overrated, Shane. No, the running and the jumping is overrated. This sport is stupid. And I'm pretty sure that this entire movie happened because the writer of the film uh, misspelled the word basketball on like by ass by accident sometime. He was like, wait a minute. I think I've got something here. (laughs) Wow. I mean, honestly, this was, this would be a game that I would play. I would be so Because I think, I think the other thing is, the reason why I think it's so boring is that watching them play the game in the movie is the most boring part of it. What do you mean? What do you mean? Like watching them play the game during the movie is the most boring part of the movie. I mean, fair enough. I mean, honestly, also like these psych outs, these are, they're stupid. They're just, they're just dumb. That, that whole concept is interesting for about 15 minutes but at some point like they're just going back to the well again uh, an hour and 46 minutes like this is what like half of this movie is just insults well yeah (laughs) the the half half of this movie is literally just at the end of the day when you cut through it all it's just a bunch of it's just a couple of friends 
slamming each other. Like that's literally what it is. Is it a uh, masterpiece? Not even close. But... No. Uh, I am. I do like uh, this though. These are the um, basketball team names. These are yeah. very funny to me. Uh, the Dallas Felons, which is Detroit Lemons, the Los Angeles Riots. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. The uh, Los Angeles Riots is about my favorite. The, yeah. the Detroit Lemons. That is just mean, right. and Miami, I love it. The Miami Dealers, the Milwaukee Beers, the New Jersey Informants, the Roswell Aliens, the San Antonio Defenders, San Francisco Fairies. <laughs> That was pretty funny too. Boston mobsters, Charlotte biscuits, Denver cavemen, Atlanta plantations, Baltimore burners, Buffalo bombs, Toronto saris, (laughs) (laughs) Oakland bandits, Pittsburgh factories, and the San Diego whalers. Like those were, those are some of the funniest jokes. Some of those are the best jokes in the movie. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that I will say that has not aged very well was the the San Francisco fairies, though. Right. I mean, but it's also <laughs> not fairies. I mean, it, it's clearly a play on that. But it's, it's a play fairy. on words, but it's yeah. fairies as in the ship. Not right. But I mean, the, the whole like when he psyched them out, like, I mean, the, the first psych out was kind of like, oh, man, that's just that's not cool. Yeah. And, and then, of course, the how to speak San Franciscan joke. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll also tell you this, and I'm gonna come clean right now in a very real way. Okay. Um, I watched this movie as in I was in front of the television while it was on for the entire runtime. Okay. But I was reading a summary a minute ago, and I feel like I didn't see half of it. Ah. <laughs> it. I checked out of this thing so hard. Um. I. Well, you missed then you missed a lot of the physical comedy of it because I think that at the end of the day, it's the physical comedy that really lends itself and sort of makes this film right. fun. You it's mean the, the, phys- it's the physical com- scene with the giant penises? Well, that's one part of it, but I mean the physical comedy as well as you remember when we discussed um half baked, and I said that one of the things that I really love about Dave Chappelle's acting in his comedy is that a lot of the things he says that are kind of throwaways, but they still work case in point. If you recall when he hung out with with Sir Smoke. Yeah. When he hung out with Sir Smoke a lot, the whole time they're like, Sir Smoke a lot's on TV. He's like, Cecil. Right. And it's like, Whoa, that's funny. You know, you, you get some of that in this movie as well. Not as well done as Dave Chappelle does it nowhere close, but there's still aspects of it there. So I think that coupled with the physical comedy. And I think it's the the sophomoric friends making fun of each other is sort of what makes this movie shine. Yeah, if any of that stuff was actually worth a damn. like It is worth it. No, no. White men can't jump. That's shit talk. <laughs> you know, like that's that movie. That's a that's a master class in shit talk. That was a that was some good shit talk. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not saying that this is on pace with white men can't jump as far as the trash talking, but let's I mean, see. come let's, on. Let's I mean that that one joke that one joke was hilarious. Hey, was it? Hey, Tuttle, your mom is deaf. That was hilarious. Like if someone did that to me, that would definitely make me miss a shot. Let's see. <laughs> Basketball. 
psych outs. I just want to, I just want to read some of them if I can find some. All right. That's oh, fine. here's a, oh, here's a, a compilation of all the psych outs. Okay. Let's, uh, let me get. Are you playing this? Are you, are you I'm going to, I'm going to play a little bit of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're going to play. So we can hear some and so that we can have uh, a, a well informed conversation and so that maybe I get to watch a few more minutes of the movie. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Let's see. Here we go. What does that mean? Ah, it's one fear at me when I'm shooting. No, 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 that's the way we play in the hood. I can do whatever I want to make you miss your shot. He's right. That's one out. Fuck your sister. <laughs> yes, two out. Come on. So again, also, so this is from the very beginning of the movie, right? Yeah, these psych um, outs aren't all that great. Oh, these are way better than the ones that come later. Mm. This is when the movie's actually good. This this part of the movie I enjoyed. Okay. Uh, because these feel these psych outs work now now ride with me for a second all right okay these psych outs work because these the guys that they're playing against don't know the rules of the game because they literally just invented it right Mm -hmm. when you are in the national basketball league you know psych outs are coming you know that's a part of the game you're training for that right like it's it's not a surprise anymore if you knew that this stuff was coming you would be better equipped to ignore it i mean yeah you would that's think why so. it's absurd that that's a part of the game because eventually you've heard it all like eventually you're just like <laughs> i don't know like that shit just really bothered me it's so stupid <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like, I mean, I get what you're saying, but here's why I disagree. Because there's some people that are just really, really, really good at trash talk. Okay. Like, just really great at it. And no matter how used to it you are, when someone is good at what they do, they can throw you off. They can still get to you. And then you're more mad at yourself for letting it happen. Like, case in point, how many times did um like Michael Jordan say go up against when the Cleveland Cavaliers before LeBron James showed up when they were when they had you know Craig Elo, Mark Price, Brad Doherty, and John Hot Rod? I will Williams. go ahead and tell you that I do not know the answer to this question, and I don't even know what it is. <laughs> All right, fine, fine. How so? Basically, whenever the Bulls would play the Cavs back in those days when Jordan was just starting to come into his heyday, yeah, these guys were used to him trash talking on the court. And even as you got later into Jordan's career, people knew that he trash talked and they were used to it. But a lot of these guys, when Jordan trash talked and just did what he did, even though they were prepared for it and they would hear it multiple times a year, it was still demoralizing. Oh, well, that's different, though, because Jordan is actually showing people up and embarrassing them on the court. Here, people are just hurling insults at somebody standing at the free throw line and throwing up balls like this is it's not a a shit talk. it's not shit talk uh joined with talent right like that's how you actually fuck up somebody's brain is by talking shit to them and embarrassing them that's what it looks like they're doing to me no the dude's just missing shots like they're they're not doing it here's the other thing right so if you are running a sport like basketball or you're running a team a basketball team and you know that the only way to lose is if you have a bunch of choke shows on your team then wouldn't you cut anybody that was a choke show no of course i would of course i would 
They'd be gone. Be gone like yesterday. Right. So they, 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 they be like, they be gone like my yesterday's dinner from my colon. It feels like for a sport like specifically designed for where psych outs are literally your only defense, right? Um, I guess other than tip shots or whatever. Um, it feels like a lot of time on the practice court would be spent on that stuff. Like I watching game I don't, tape. I don't think there's a lot of practice involved. <laughs> it's a professional f- sports league. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think they're practicing much. You don't think they're practicing much. Why? Because you're st- you're, you're moving a d- I mean, all right, you might be working on your jumper f- so you can like shoot some home runs or hit some homers. But, but, but you don't think that like there are championships and sponsorships involved. You don't think these guys are getting together to like practice the game. It's their we're, career. Ta- we're talking about practice, man. Practice. We're talking about practice. Playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny, though, is that I think Sharon, I don't know if Sharon really liked this movie, but she was like, like the scene when they were um talking about the playoffs, right? Playoffs. Playoffs. And Sharon's like, yeah, that's about how it sounds, right? And I'm like, yeah, that, when when they when any sport when they start talking about playoff scenarios, it that's exactly how it sounds <laughs> with the the the, the northern the eastern northern league. <laughs> yeah, and, other, I mean, so, and otherwise the two man sack race will take place on I think, consecutive Sunday. Right. I think that the the movie is at its best when it's making fun. Of, of its sports culture and yes. no when it's making fun of other sports hmm. um like when it's making fun of sports casters when it's making fun of like espn we talked about like this this self-serious kind of sports people we i think we talked about them last week yeah um when it makes fun of that when it makes fun of the ridiculous rules and when it makes fun of like that's when it's at its best the like i could have done with 75 percent less of watching actual basketball because the novelty wore off pretty quick. Uh, that's that's really it. I mean, and I know like it's a it's a movie about and honestly, like in the first, like I said, first 30 minutes, I'm here for it. Right. Even the first scene, like the five years later. And now we're now the NBL is a thing and we're watching the first game. And I love the arena. Right. I love that. They've still got the garage there with the basketball goal on top. I mm-hmm. love that. I love all of this stuff. Right. But it's mm-hmm. just, I don't know. It just felt like I was a nail and the movie was a hammer and it just kept on, kept on. <laughs> uh, and it just didn't, it, it never offered me anything else. Also, okay, let's talk about Yasmin Bleeth and Jenny McCarthy. Must we? Uh, well, they're <laughs> here. They, they decided to show up. Yeah, uh, they, they were both nominated for Razzies for this movie. As they should have been. But they both lost. Uh who do they lose to? Oh, this is great. Uh, Yasmin Bleeth lost to the Spice Girls for their film Spice World. Yeah, that works. Uh, that, that's that that's for right. yeah, that was for worst actress. Uh, and then while and then that, uh, Jenny that McCarthy, computes. <laughs> Jenny McCarthy lost worst supporting actress to Maria Patillo from Godzilla. <laughs> that also checks out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how does how, how must that make you feel to know that your performance? Was worse than Jenny McCarthy and Yasmin Bleeth for basketball. Like, yeah. Right. How must that make you them, feel as an actor? Because neither of them are great, right? No. Um, not even at all. 
Yeah, and then the 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 first act is is my favorite part of it. The second act is is still like mildly entertaining, but by the time we get to the third act, this plot is so convoluted and now we've got like we're trying to pit these friends together and we're trying to uh you know, sabotage the season so that we can get a new owner on this team so that we can change the rules and we can get like big business into the game and start shipping players all over the place and shipping teams all over the place. And it gets so muddy that not even real big fish's terrible cover of take on me will save it. Your house band is real big fish. That's the house band. (laughs) Yeah. So So, I'm going to go big fish. Didn't even have enough hits to play only their songs in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) They had to be, they had to be still covers. (laughs) They had to be still dragging. (laughs) In fact, what's really crazy. And I'm just looking at the soundtrack right now is that the soundtrack features almost exclusively covers of songs performed by worse bands. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Like take on real big fish did aha's take on me smash mouth did war song why can't we be friends and then uh harry belafonte did jump in the line by the cherry pop and daddies this is like not only is it not baseball or basketball it's also not music it's karaoke <laughs> you know what i'm gonna go right on i'm gonna go on a limb right here here uh, shane <laughs> yeah now Bear with me. I could be wrong. But you didn't like this movie at all, did you? <laughs> I, I continue to say that I enjoyed the first 30 minutes or so of it. <laughs> I really did. I just got, I think I just got bored. Um, because it is it is funny. Like there are funny parts of this movie. I don't I don't despise it like this is not um a no holds barred situation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that was the movie you had the worst. Like that, that I never wanted to time. throw myself off of a building more <laughs> than I did during that movie. So yeah, this no holds, no not, holds barred is tough. Yeah, that's, this movie's not infuriatingly bad, right? It's, <laughs> it's just it's kind of infuriatingly boring. So you you weren't wishing for my death while watching this, like you no. were with no holds barred. No, no holds barred. You're like, why do I even know you? Because why did like you do- Matt Stone and Trey Parker are still funny. Like they they're still capable, and David Zucker is still funny. You know, like it 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 is is it's definitely one of David Zucker's lesser films. I know? seriously think I I feel bad for David Zucker and the fact that you know here here he gets this tremendous film in Airplane, which is probably if we were now you and I have had this discussion about Mount Rushmore of film right and we've come to a consensus that it's difficult to do because you have to do tons of subcategories right however i'm sure that you and i can agree that airplane no matter what the comedy you could put it in a mount rushmore like setting yeah you may not be able to create a straight up mount rushmore but you could say best comedies of all time period Mm-hmm. And airplane is at least in the top five, if not top three. Yeah, I mean, I think that his uh, filmography is is pretty solid. I mean, airplane, Naked Gun, uh, basketball, uh, <laughs> my boss's <laughs> daughter. Some of the some of the better scary movies, I, if I remember correctly. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at his filmography now. Kentucky Fried Movie, I have not seen that in so many years. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak to that. Airplane, yep. Um, The Naked Gun series. Ruthless People is an amazing film with, um, you know, Judge Reinhold, um, Helen Slater, and... Why do I, why do I, why did I almost say three times B. Arthur? B. Arthur is not in that movie. Mm-hmm. What is that woman's name? Bette Midler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, and, um, <laughs> yeah, just a little. And even um, Danny DeVito, like mm-hmm. Ruthless People is an amazing film. And then, you know, he has, you know, his time after, you know, after a little while, he just sort of, what do I, what the hell do I have to do anything anymore at this point? Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, you know, he, he's obviously got a good eye for comedy. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I had read that originally they wanted Chris Farley in this movie. Yeah, that wouldn't. I mean, honestly, I think that you could put Chris Farley in a lot of films and he would work. So, but I think Chris Farley was dead by this point. So, yeah, Zucker had wanted Chris Farley to play the lead role before casting Parker and Stone due to their work on South Park. Um, yeah, the duo agreed to do the movie under the assumption that their show would have been canceled by the time filming began. <laughs> that, yeah, out. I mean, yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. It's like, man, we got to do something to make some money. Yeah, because South Park had, if I'm not wrong, yeah, it had only been on for a year at that point. Yeah, and it was so controversial that yeah, yeah. people were gunning for that show at the top for sure. But the for thing a long is, time. and if it wasn't for South Park though, Comedy Central wouldn't even be a thing because I remember hearing about South Park back in '97, '98, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, well, where can I find this? And we did not have Comedy Central as a part of our cable package. So I couldn't watch it anywhere. I didn't get to watch South. I only time I got to watch South Park was a friend of mine had dubbed a VHSC kids back in the day. We had these things called VCRs and you could record what was on the TV. Basically think of it as a hard copy, um, you know, digital download thing, sort of a hard copy. And then you would hook up another VCR to that VCR and record them onto another tape. Yeah. So that's how a lot of these things, that's how a lot of wrestling fans way back when got to know different wrestlers and especially wrestlers from Japan and Canada was from dubbing. The the idea of dubbing is why Metallica took such a huge hit in popularity when they went against Napster, because the reason why Metallica got so big was because of people making mixtapes and having Metallica on there. Anyway, a friend had made a dub of like a whole six hour dub, I think of South park. I think it was like the whole first season. I think it was in a portion of the second season. Well, and I think the, I think that if, if, when you look at early South park, this movie makes a lot of sense uh, because South park didn't really become what it would be for three or four years. Yeah, it took to about season four, season five for them to really hit their stride. Yeah, and and these guys, don't get me wrong. I think that, I think anything that Matt Stone and Trey Parker write is very smart. Um, like Team America, I think still holds up. I've watched that 
relatively recently. I think I still, still have not funny. watched that. I still haven't watched that. I think that the South Park movie is very funny. Um, I love the South Park movie is probably one of my favorite, not just animated films, but also musicals. And I there was a time that I hated musicals. Yeah. So well, and then um obviously like you have some of those like landmark South Park episodes like the Scientology episode and <laughs> Scott Tennerman must die and, and Scott Tennerman must die is my favorite. Yeah, South that Park really episode. elevated this show and and you know these guys have won a Tony Award for the Book of Mormon. I mean, they are smart and they are very talented. Here, they just I feel like hadn't hadn't grown into that stuff yet. Right. Uh, have you not, seen or, also have you seen Orgasmo? I forever is it, it has been ages. Okay. Um, I can't imagine that it's good. <laughs> I love uh, Orgasmo. To me, is a much better film well and also like what i what i was about to say is that here i don't know how much of this you can put on matt stone and trey parker because here they're working with someone else's material right and they're just doing their best with what they've got yeah because these guys are incredibly talented guys and uh and anytime i've ever seen them work with their own stuff obviously they do almost all the voices on south park and in team america themselves mm-hmm. and and they are very good at that stuff um, and their writing is good. And the, the, the ability to, to turn around and make these South Park episodes in a week is wild. Um, but so that they can remain topical and everything. So, yeah, I mean, this is not a slight against Matt Stone and Trey Parker. I think that this is just kind of a bad script. I can I can go with that. I, I seriously think that. Um, I mean, there's I think that they also they tried to bring some of that early South Park in to make it their own thing. Yeah. And I think that that's also what kind of makes the movie watchable. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think some of the funniest parts of the movie are when these two guys are just allowed to be Matt Stone and Trey Parker. And I would be really interested in knowing if they were given any kind of uh, improv freedom on set, like if they were able to, like, just riff with these guys, you know. Um, I think that I think you see some of that, especially when it's just them and Deanne ba- Baker, who mm-hmm. plays um, Squeak Scolari. Yeah, I was actually I, just about to talk about Squeak, who I actually really love in this movie. I think Squeak funny. is probably one of my favorite characters in this film. And he is such a Deanne Baker is an amazing actor because he he does like no matter what he does, he doesn't even when he's on South Park. Now, he's only been on South Park a couple of times, but especially when he's voicing Chris Satan's lover Mm -hmm. on South Park, he is so funny, you know, and he's the source of a lot of those sort of throwaway jokes that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, he really Um, is. Like whenever they get in the fight and he's like, come on, you're my roommate now or whatever. He pulls the drawer. Come on, bitch. You're my new best friend. (laughs) Are are we going to the zoo? (laughs) Right. Like that's (laughs) really funny. And those are the moments that made me laugh more than anything else. And and that's what you were talking about is those little throwaways. And he's the source of a lot of those. I think that squeak is probably like every scene he's in i'm laughing yeah i would nominate him for mvp for this oh he is definitely the mb mvp he's the plotaholics mvp of well this and film. doesn't he also give deliver the big speech during the seven yeah right? he, he's the he yeah he delivers the big speech that gets us the uh the trey parker matt stone makeout session 
Oh yeah. I feel like <laughs> if, if you were doing prop bets at the first time you ever watched this movie and you didn't put money on the fact that those two men would make out <laughs> in this movie, then you're an idiot, right? Like, of course they will. It's 1998. That's like peak shock stuff. Right. Right. Um, where these, where these are two guys that are just like, this would be great. And they're just like slinging wieners around whenever they're talking to <laughs> now listen, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of that stuff is funny. Like some of that stuff is funny. It um, really is. Um, I, just, we, I mean, well, a little bit more on Squeak, though. But I mean, like the scene where he shows up and he's like, Joseph R. Cooper, cut the shit. You know who I am. <laughs> and he's He tries to go in. Um, you know, the, he, he gets mauled by the dog and yeah. he's like, well, go ahead. Take a shot. And if you make it, you can shut off our gas. <laughs> and he misses it. Oh, tough break, Squeak. Yeah. Now you got to fetch the ball, bitch. And he's just chill Whenever about he moves it. in with them and they give him that cardboard box in the book. <laughs> <laughs> how am i supposed to get a chick with that don't worry dude you're gonna get a chick if you had a hundred dollar bill sticking out of your zipper. right doesn't he say something like it doesn't matter your couch sucks anyway he's like your house sucks anyway <laughs> but that's all right i'm on the team and then the dog mauls him again yeah i mean that and that's again in the first 30 minutes which i think is the punchiest part of the movie it really like what, what did he say I can't believe they fired you for not shutting off our gas for six weeks. Yes, yeah, losing the truck that made them even angrier. <laughs> yeah, see, I feel like this movie is is incredibly salvageable. I think that for me, it the so you the, blame Ernest Borgnine. If Ernest <laughs> Borgnine had never shown up in this movie, this would have been a good film. I think that if they could have found a way to make the game of basketball a little more interesting to watch visually. I think that they I think that you should be allowed at least like once like per like I guess quarter of innings since there's oh, so there's nine innings, right? I guess. So, so I think that at least once in the three block of innings, you should be allowed to just tackle the shit out of somebody like in God, the uh look, the inner sports scene the, where the, the baseball and, and football are on the same time. The other uh what I was mentioning earlier that they took the most boring parts of all of these games and put them together. Like here's just another example of that. Why would you take the length of baseball and not the length of basketball? Like god damn. Yeah, cuz basketball's <laughs> only like 42 minutes long right like why are we sitting here for that's why it feels so boring because i honest to god i really hate how long baseball is and this is how long this takes um, <laughs> oh, but can we just talk about though the fact that you have guys like ernest borgnine and robert vaughn and even robert stack doing their thing and it just works. Did Bob Costas make out with Al Michaels in this movie? Um, he did tell him to look at his nipples. So okay, right. That's okay. Take I'll, that as it will. Yeah. So I'm gonna assume that they def made out off camera. <laughs> Probably, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I am too. I, you know, I'm just glad that Al Michaels is finally happy. Me too. He deserves it. Mm -hmm. Oh, what was hilarious though? Like, because I mean, seriously, you you have. Yeah, Robert Stack doing um unsolved mysteries, and he's saying the most ridiculous stuff in his most Robert Stack tone. Yeah. Now like, that okay, that, that was, made me laugh a whole lot too. We still have no clue where this fucking guy is. <laughs> yeah, that the Robert Stack stuff was fantastic. And I'm sorry, man. Robert Vaughn is probably one of the like one of the best low key film villains like ever. Yeah, and he does, and even when he's in the most ridiculous films. I'm talking to you, basketball, and Superman three. 
Mm-hmm. He is still an amazing villain actor. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, like again, my I the more we talk about it, the more I feel like my issues with it are all sort of wrapped up in just the package of the sport itself because the like it, conceptually it's fine, you know, it just I I needed it to be a little punchier when they were filming it. And I and I know when, you know, you have decided on the most boring aspects of baseball and basketball that it's really hard to make that interesting to look at. But, you know, it is what it is, right? The the basketball yeah. scenes are the parts that I didn't enjoy. I really it, also I think um, Jenny McCarthy is a snooze fest, too. I am not a big fan of Jenny McCarthy. I think all. Yasmin Bleeth. I prefer her cousin, Melissa. Oh, are they cousins? Yeah, they're cousins. Is that real? Yeah, that that that's that's real. That's or are true. you just doing that like all white people are related thing? <laughs> Dude, I'm not that horrible. <laughs> no, they are actually related. They are. I'm looking here right now. I believe she is her either a first or second cousin. Well, if that's the case, then I def prefer Melissa. Melissa's way better all around like melissa mccarthy i mean jenny mccarthy is just like uh let me see is jenny mccarthy related to melissa mccarthy or am i just racist (laughs) all right the truth about jenny and melissa mccarthy oh god is that the name of the article that sounds yes (laughs) if you ever wondered about jenny mccarthy's marriage to donnie Wahlberg, and i'm not her friendship with Heather Dubro, don't know who that is, or her past relationship with Jim Carrey, who gives a shit. Less a situ- friendly situation with Amy Schumer, goes blow. This time around, I'm not referring to what uh, it's ever talking about Melissa McCarthy. As you know, Melissa made her name, blah, blah, blah. There's Jenny, blah, blah, blah. Personal and professional connection. Are you on Wikipedia or? No, I'm on this thing called Nick- NikkiSwift.com. Nikki Swift. Melissa is Jenny's older cousin. Uh, Jenny took to Instagram 20, July 2015, posted a throwback photo with the caption, me and my sis and my cousin Melissa, 102 degrees at the zoo. All right, so Jenny and Melissa are cousins. Melissa is the older of the two. Did you ever watch Singled Out? Uh, was that that horrible dating show on MTV? Yeah, that was hosted by um jenny mccarthy and um, i've watched a f- i've been no i was known at that time to watch a few episodes i liked singled out uh i was a child i probably shouldn't have been watching it but um it was hosted by uh bert no that's the creator oh yeah chris hardwick that's what i thought chris hardwick and jenny mccarthy oh yeah i think part of my thing against it was that i'm just i just don't like jenny mccarthy she is so unlikable like she is probably one of the most unlikable people to have ever existed in humanity yeah uh well i definitely am more on the yasmin bleeth uh train here as am i and as honestly I. uh they cast them well i mean jenny mccarthy should have been the villain right i agree uh, we haven't talked any about the make a wish come true or whatever bullshit. Dream come is. true foundation. Oh God, I love it. He's only eight years old and he smells like Christian. Slayer. Again, the scene where they took him out and got him hammered. That was really funny. It really was. Mr. Squeak, what grade are you in? <laughs> 
like some of that stuff it did make me laugh i just really hated the game of basketball fair enough like now the one joke the one joke that sort of got me and it's like wow this hasn't aged well it's like wow he smells like Robert Downey Jr. I'm like, oh, that's not cool. Yeah. Now there, there are. That wasn't cool. This movie is definitely not immune to like poorly aged jokes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are a handful of those throughout here. Yeah. Um, but you know, for the most part, it's also like for the most part, it's mostly sterile. You know. Yeah. Well, what's funny is that the kid that played Joey was on an episode of The Office. Oh God! Really? Yes, he was. He was in the job fair episode. Oh, he's not uh Justin time. Justin. Justin yep. Case. Justin. Just, yep, that, that was him. That's awesome. He also uh, played the son of uh Fraser Crane. That's fantastic. I'm trying to find him right now. Uh his name is Trevor Einhorn. I think he's related to um Finkel is Einhorn. Finkel and Einhorn. Finkel and Einhorn. Well, if anybody wanted to know if real big fish played themselves in the movie, they def did. Well, hey, that's good to know because I've been worrying about real big fish for some time. Huh. You know let's, what? Let's, it, you is know? this is it safe to say? And I'm throwing some serious shade here. Is it safe to say that real big fish is just a much less talented version of Mighty Mighty Boss Tones? Oh, oh, oh my <laughs> God! Yes, nail. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Um, okay, real big fish. It's time for what I like to call a plotaholics deep dive. <laughs> Let's do this. Real big fish, who, as shitty as they are, will definitely be more interesting than talking about basketball anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, the let's see, associated acts less than Jake, save Ferris, the littlest man band, <laughs> the forces of evil, the scholars, Jeffrey's fan club. How's Jeffrey get fan club? Uh, Spring Hilled Jack USA, the Aquabats, Suburban Rhythm, Knuckle Brothers, Zebrahead, Goldfinger. Let's uh, slice off a little piece of the real big fish for the people at home. Yeah, right. uh, what is the song that you would that you associate with real big fish? Is it take on me? No. Uh, because I feel like they're hit. Uh, you can I I I will admit. I never liked real big fish. Oh, I didn't either. So I would never even oh. like the first time I ever heard a real big fish song. I think I was listening. I think it was from this movie. Uh, Sellout uh, is the one that I think I'm thinking of. Okay. Uh, let's hear a little of that. I'm sorry. Maybe this. I'm going to send you a link to this music video. It's wild. Okay. Um, if you must. I think you look <laughs> at it because there's definitely a human sized box of French fries chasing an old car down, down the street. But why? Well, motivation. Uh, I don't know that they spent a ton of time on that. Fair enough. But no, I'm, I'm not, I have never been a real big fish fan. Now here's the thing. I lo- I, I enjoy ska punk. I mm. do. Um, no doubt is among my favorite bands um yeah i have a i have a pretty low threshold for ska punk i mean and no doubt is probably the limit for me i like 
like you you mentioned mighty mighty boss songs like that some of that stuff is okay i was never really a huge sublime fan see um, i like sublime i like some of their stuff yes, I, again I, some of their stuff is pretty good um mm-hmm. they have a pretty casual relationship with date rape but um uh, allegedly what i mean just in their <laughs> lyrics i mean they have a song called oh, date rape okay um that is I not to say what the hell flattering. Uh, again, no, no, Sublime does not date rape people that I know of. I would hope not. Well, to be fair, like I only like a couple of Sublime songs, but I won't go, I won't turn off Sublime. If yeah, they here's, come here's some lyrics from Date Rape by Sublime. Let me tell you about a girl I know had a drink about an hour ago, sitting in a corner by herself in a bar in downtown hell. She heard a noise and she looked through the door and saw a man she'd never seen before. Light skin, light blue eyes, a double chin and a plastic smile. Well, her heart raced as he walked in the door and took an empty seat next to her at the bar. My brand new car is parked right outside. How'd you like to go for a ride? And she said, wait a minute, I have to think. He said, that's fine. May I please buy you a drink? One drink turned into three or four and they left and got into his car and they drove away someplace real far. Now, babe, the time has come. How do you like to have a little fun? And she said, if we could only please be on our way, I will not run. That's when things got out of, co- that's when things got out of control. She didn't want to go. He had his way. She said, let's go. He said, no way. Uh, come on, babe. It's your lucky day. Shut your mouth. We're going to do it my way. Come on, baby. Don't be afraid. If it wasn't for date rape, I'd never get laid. Mm, I'm going to stick to what I got in Santeria. And uh, wrong way. Yeah, he finished up. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't like that line at all. <laughs> he finished <laughs> up and, and he started the car. He turned around and drove back to the bar. He said, now, baby, don't be sad. In my opinion, you, you weren't half bad. She picked up a rock, threw it at the car, hit him in the head. Now he's got a big scar. Come on, party people. Won't you listen to me? Date rape style. Weird. E- and then the next scene uh, takes place in court, apparently. This song is kind of wild. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to listen. The to moral song. of the date rape story: it does not pay to be drunk and horny. I mean, that's a good moral, I guess. You know what? I've been drunk and horny by myself a ton of times, and I've found ways to keep myself entertained without doing something like this. Yeah, the number of times that I've uh, raped someone is uh, zero. Yeah, and yeah. I stay drunk and horny all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm drunk and horny right now. I'm just kidding. I'm not drunk. <laughs> yeah. There's that blue Shane Wilson humor that I love. <laughs> so can I make a, um, can I make an unfortunate um, admission to you right now? Oh God. Uh, yeah. I made a very poor joke in um, about basketball to Sharon uh, last night. And I was like, Oh, there's Dale Earnhardt before he had that meeting with the wall. Uh, yeah. That wasn't okay. No, that was wrong. And she looks at me and she goes, huh? Yeah. And I was like, Dale Earnhardt. She goes, who? And no. I was like, race car legend that died after he crashed into a wall. Oh, that wasn't nice. And I'm like, yeah, no, I feel bad. <laughs> uh, the yeah. And this movie, speaking of Dale Earnhardt, has a crap ton of cameos. There are way too many cameos in this movie for me. I mean, here's the thing. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's cameo was funny. You have to admit that that was yeah, kind of that funny. was funny. Again, that was that happened off the court. I liked mm-hmm. all of that stuff mostly. I just didn't like the game. 
Okay, fair enough. I mean, there are so many cameos, but the ones that I enjoyed the most was Kareem and Reggie Jackson were among my favorites. Well, and um, and the um, the explanation of the playoffs and Robert Stack and Robert Stack. Absolutely. Victoria Silstead playmate of the year. I probably could have done without seeing Victoria Silstead playmate of the year. But I mean, it was funny. Yeah, I guess. Well, you know, Victoria Silstead, Playmate of the Year. I feel like she wasn't as naked as I would have liked her to be. No, there like was if, there, there was no nudity in this film that I would have appreciated. Yeah, if there was, if you're going to have Playmate of the Year, Victoria Silstead, Victoria Silstead in a hot tub. Yeah, then you know, at least, even if she's with Matt Stone. Yeah, even if maybe even, even more so because. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Although that hot tub was awesome when it almost killed Squeak. <laughs> Why was Squeak living living in the locker room? Um, Victoria Silvestet, uh, Playmate of the Year, uh, has appeared in an off-Broadway production called Pieces of Ass. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that she was in an off-Broadway production of Basketball. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what this is. I don't know what pieces of ass is. Let's let's see what that's about. Yeah, let, let's let's look into that a little. What, what's 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 Victoria Silstead playmate of the year? Been pieces up to? of ass features a series of original monologues delivered by a cast of twelve beautiful women speaking about their own experiences, each dealing with themes uniquely common to the physically blessed woman. So it's like a conceited vagina monologues. Oh, gotcha. A less interesting version of modern horror. Yeah, I guess. Um, Jenna Trichel, Kristen star an off-Broadway play pieces of... Also, it should be noted that if you're trying to Google this, the words of ass appear in parentheses. So it's pieces in parentheses of ass. Um, so interesting. Yep. Some days Hashtag you just not have my vagina monologues. Yeah, these are not the vagina monologues that I want. No. Uh, so then these two guys make out in the seventh inning stretch and they make a huge comeback, 16 points down in the big championship game. Well, that's good because, you know, sometimes you have, I mean, the only way that I can come back from 16 points down is to make out with another guy. Yeah, that's why I've spent most of my life trying to remain down by only 15 points. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. I enjoyed uh, that. Yeah. That was good. Yep. Uh, so then, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess everything that's at stake here is that the league can, can't make rule changes without unanimous owner support. Right. Yeah. But if you want unanimous consent, you're going to have to get it from one of the other owners. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and when, when, uh, old man Milwaukee beers dies, he leaves the game to Cooper, to Coop. right. Yep. Which is, I think, literally the first time we've said one of the characters' names other than Squeak. <laughs> we yeah, that's true. calling them Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Yeah. Coop, uh, Air, Sir, Air Swish Cooper. And yeah, so Coop is a purist. I mean, it's his game. He doesn't want all of this, you know, corporatization of basketball. Well, who would? I mean, anybody that wants to make money. Yeah, that's true. But money is the root of all evil. It's true. Um, and you can ask Roger Goodell about that. Roger Goodell is just the face of evil. Like he's among the faces of evil. You know what? 
I think that Roger Goodell is really Donald Trump in disguise. Oh, uh, you know what? Because they Roger, look so much alike. Roger Goodell is what happens if Donald Trump and Phil Sims have a baby. That checks out. <laughs> Phil Sims looks kind of like a rooster. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he does. Uh, he he does. really does. <laughs> and of course, and then of course, yeah. Roger Goodell is if Donald Trump. See, Donald Trump's little dance that he did, that was his mating dance for um, Phil Sims. Oh, God. And Phil Sims was like, yeah, let's make us a Goodell, baby. Yeah. Phil Sims. Phil Sims, man. The the foghorn leghorn of the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who would you rather be, Phil Sims or Boomer Esiason? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Boomer about looks like a chicken, too, honestly. <laughs> there's some ugly ass dudes in do you football. think that there's a website called nfl players that look like chickens hey i'm going into my google machine right now nfl players that i'm just gonna nfl players that look like chickens and if there isn't we should create it we need to get we need to start getting some interns to do some of the stuff we don't want to do um, like I think- like like make a section of the website of nfl players that look like chickens no, there is not. One of the Google suggested searches was NFL players that look like chicken nuggets. <laughs> ah! But I don't think that that I don't think that's a, that's a thing. No, it's, uh, it's really just about a bunch of players like wanting to eat chicken nuggets. Yeah, see, that doesn't work for me. NFL player tweets shocking photo of chicken head found in Buffalo Wild Wings meal. Oh, Jared hey. Cook. I got 10 iconic NFL touchdown dances. <laughs> I don't know how I got that, but I got it. Nice. Oh, well, there's probably the dirty bird. Oh, uh, let me see this. Oh, the dirty bird. Let me see. This is what I found. Merton Hanks doing the chicken dance. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Asa Jackson doing something. Billy White Shoes Jones doing the funky chicken. I'll tell you, I'm being honest right now. This conversation is making me real hungry for some chicken nuggets. <laughs> I am feeling kind of hungry as well. If and I, I could can't... get... Uh, a, a side of Boomer Esiason wings. <laughs> what, you don't want a Phil Sims breast? <laughs> I want a fried Phil Sims sandwich. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? Since I, I've got to take my uh, my oldest to out for his birthday today and we're going to someplace i'm gonna ask them if they have a uh, phil sims or a um boomer size you could also special. get if you're feeling fancy you could get a troy aikman filet <laughs> oh wow a troy aikman filet now yeah. that sounds about right dude troy aikman looks like what a tuna would look like if it had hair yeah for sure absolutely like a fancy business tuna <laughs> yeah exactly exactly like every time um every time i hear andy bernard refer to jim halpert as tuna, tuna tuna Tuna. That's I, I picture. I picture Troy Aikman. Uh, yeah. Yep. That's accurate. I believe uh, this okay. movie has taken us into some very, very weird. Yeah. Places. I feel like we're just trying to fill up the hour. <laughs> yeah. You can, um, matter of fact, um, I, I have to quote one of my. I have to quote one of my favorite uh, YouTube guys. You patting the sin count, bro. <laughs> Sounds like you patting the sin count, bro. I'll tell you. Look, I started this uh, episode with the following tabs open, right? I had the Rotten Tomatoes, the Wikipedia, for, uh, and 
the IMDb for this movie right now. Yeah. This is what I have up. I have Vic- Victoria Silva Silvestead, the Google Drive, the podcast recording schedule, a Facebook tab, and NFL players that look like chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, folks, folks that are like in swiping through your hard drive to see what your viewing history is are like, what the hell is this guy up to? This dude ordering NFL player chicken nuggets while looking at Victoria Silvestead. <laughs> Um, so, uh, let's see if there's anything else to say about basketball. Um, it, um obviously I'm going to have to do a better job. Oh, of- where would you, where would the predator be in this film? Oh, he would be on the LA riots. <laughs> <laughs> he did cause a lot of issues in LA. Yeah. Uh, all right. So basketball was released July 31st, 1998. Uh, it was made on a, 23 million dollar budget and it made seven million uh at the box office that's the u.s and canada box offices um so not great what do you do you think uh what do you think it opened up against in 1998 uh i don't know i'm gonna let's take a look yeah films Um, that opened oh saving private ryan was there uh, the Parent Trap opened that week. The Negotiator ever at what a shitty week. Dude, the Negotiator is an awesome movie. Yeah, no, I'm not. That's that's not a slide against the Negotiator. It's just like so yeah, that the, was a bad week. Yeah, the Parent Trap, the Negotiator, and Ever After. Yeah, and that's summer, right? I mean, it's the end of summer, but <gasps> uh, yeah, and it, there were the other movies that were still in were some of the bigger names, right? Like Saving Private Ryan, something about Mary, Mask of Zorro, Lethal Weapon Four, Armageddon. Uh, there were some big movies there, but they had just been there already. Like Mulan, right? Titanic was still there somehow. It came out in like December. Yeah, uh, that year. Small, so- <laughs> small soldiers. I mean, I guess small, small, small soldiers is an interesting film because folks thought that that was going to be something else. Deep Impact, the lesser of the two asteroid movies, was still mm-hmm. plugging along. Pokemon, the first movie came out, which, like, granted, that demographic isn't going to be going to see basketball, but. yeah so yeah so interesting disturbing behavior that was such a cool movie yeah yeah i don't know if i was on i I think that's a katie holmes flick oh is that no is that the one where she was trying to be all ghetto but she was like super rich is Uh, that that one let me see oh it's super short too uh disturbing behavior do you remember? Uh, let's see. Put that Maybe up in my Wikipedia. Look Katie up movie Holmes. that Katie Holmes tried to be ghetto. Yeah, or is why, that Anne when, Hathaway? When Steve's rebellious friend Gavin mysteriously joins their ranks, Steve searches for the truth with fellow misfit Rachel. Oh, I'm, I was thinking of Anne Hathaway, not Katie Holmes. Um, yeah, but then did you ever Ooh. see that movie Teaching Mrs. Tingle? No, I did not, but I always wanted I'll, to. Also a really weird, like late nineties thriller. So there's a lot of the, the, the time for thrillers in the late nineties was an odd time. Honestly, I think that night, like the late nineties, early two thousands was kind of a weird time for cinema in general. I can, I can get on board with that. Cause I mean, we got blade movies. We got blade 
three and i mean we got definitely less homogenized right like you had the the full spectrum of weirdness not just like one or two kinds of weird no you just got yo this is odd isn't it yep (laughs) all right let's put it out there let's um oh yeah and the rotten tomatoes uh score yeah Uh, the rotten tomatoes score isn't very good it's a 42 percent. it's 42 percent rotten with a 74 percent audience score what's the how many people voted on that 52 reviews uh 100,000 ratings yeah um wow let's see what some of these critics had to say uh i'm pretty sure they're well before the end but found the first half hour pretty funny oh my god did i write that that's from jonathan rosenbaum he said exactly what i said (laughs) that's awesome Somebody somebody did a review September 5th, 2020, a disappointing misfire that's aged terribly in the years since its 1998 release. Yeah. Is it dumb? You bet. Is it funny? Sporadically. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> that's totally right, man. Uh, that's, that's here's, here's one from Lee Patched, the from the uh Australian Herald Sun. So, gave, gave it a three out of five. Here's a treat for South Park fans. Better than you might suspect. That's April 2020. Uh, you uh, can't help feeling that the whole project must have begun as an off-the-cuff joke, which some studio executive took seriously and green-lighted. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is something that you wrote. I was bored well before the end, but found the first half hour pretty funny. Yep. Yeah, what kind of movie is it where Yasmin Bleeth is the best thing about it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow <laughs> that's a good one jenny mccarthy and ernest borg nine together at last <laughs> yeah that that was the on-screen pairing that i didn't think we needed right um, and kind of wish we never got <laughs> yeah let's see these are fun uh these are these are more these are pretty fun I'm, I'm with writing fan. like this can an academy award be far behind <laughs> <laughs> screw you guys i'm going home until the movie's over that is <laughs> Uh, there's plenty of ammunition for a satire of pro sports and basketball. Isn't it? (laughs) Damn. Uh, this review ends with this sentence. If you're old enough to see this movie without a parent or guardian and all of what I've said sounds encouraging, this review has failed and failed badly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the studio should have furnished each ticket buyer with a free six pack. Putting it in an alcohol-free theatrical setting makes about as much sense as packing a suitcase for your trip to nude stock. I'm here for that review, which brings us to our reviews, also based on alcohol. Uh, <laughs> here is Bartender Smiley. The Plotaholics rating system for the movies is a pretty simple system. Basically, they rate movies based on how many shots it takes to get through them. So if you got a good movie and you get through it all the way sober, then it takes zero shots to get through the movie. And then if you got a really bad movie, then it could take up to five shots to get through the whole thing. I think you can try to figure out the middle part yourself. So what can I get you? All right. Um, I seriously want a Shane Wilson drunk review of basketball. Oh, oh you <laughs> missed your opportunity because I was drunk when I finished it. <laughs> I didn't record one and I don't know that I will ever watch it again. <laughs> uh, um, so then how about the sixth sense? <laughs> the sixth sense? That's such a random sort of suggestion. The only reason why that came up is that just for some reason I had a Twitter notification 
and someone has like or dislike the sixth sense. So I was like, hey, I'd, that'd be funny to see Shane drunk Shane Wilson talk about the sixth sense. Yeah, I feel like that. That that I could do maybe. Um, so I will say that the movie is competently made. It's clearly just the thinnest of all premises forced to stretch far beyond what it was capable of stretching to. Uh, it is the, the individual standalone jokes are probably the funniest parts of it. Uh, but the sum of those parts just doesn't really equal up to very much in terms of payoff. Um, the casting is hit or miss. I mean, the cameos should never be the best part of your casting. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I am, uh, I'm going to give this a real hard three shot rating whoa i'm shocked i I thought you would have given it a five i was leaning into a soft four but i did enjoy parts of it i just really hated watching them play that stupid fucking game (laughs) see your 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 look at the game itself notwithstanding this movie is made for soft this is a sophomore humor film made for sophomore made for people that love sophomore comedy. That's what it is. Yeah. This is early days of South Park at its best. This is Black Sheep. It is in a lot of, but it's way funnier than Black Sheep for me. Okay. Like Black Sheep isn't funny. Black Sheep sucks. That's fair. Like, why, like wh- why would you do this to, why would you do that to David Spade and Chris Farley? Yeah. That was rude. Like whoever decided to do that should be hit in the face with a baseball bat. Rude. Rude. Um, I personally, some, some of the jokes do not, do not, do not carry over well. Um, but there are aspects of it that are fun. I love the sport. I would play basketball with people. I really would. I, I would, think if I, I could play it, it might be more entertaining than just watching it. All right. So when you come like to visit, when, when you come to visit, we'll play basketball. Okay. I can, <laughs> I can get down with that. All right. And maybe we'll have a few drinks while we do it. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, if you don't have like uh, a basketball tournament as part of your bachelor party, I think that that's what I'm going to probably have to do. We're going to do some, we'll have a basketball tournament and then go axe throwing. There you go. That's oh, maybe we combine those two things. <laughs> I'm all right with that. Throw the axe as part of You have to hit the. Yeah, it's axe, it's axe, ball. <laughs> That would be awesome. Basketball. Basketball. I love it. <laughs> oh Lord. With that being said, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give this movie a I'm gonna give it a two shot rating. Um, some of the jokes just aren't as good as they used to be, but it's still really really fun. I especially love the um, I love where some of the South Park voices make cameos. Especially with Trey Parker, yeah, I love how Matt, how how Doug Raymer loves kids. Yeah, see, that was funny, <laughs> but the Cartman took me out of it. The Cartman made me laugh too. I mean, I'm sorry, it it it, it made me chuckle. But I'm also a huge Cartman fan. As evil and as horrible as Cartman is, as much as I break his face, if he were a real life human being, the character makes me laugh. So anytime I hear a Cartman, it makes me laugh. Yeah. Um, some of those psych outs. I, I enjoyed. So yeah, I, I'm going to give this a two shot rating and um, 
laugh myself stupid until I can watch or read something that will bring back my um, brain cells. There you go. Mr. Tan, next week we celebrate two years on the air. I'm pumped. Yes. Because we're, we're going to have the third plot of Holic with us as we discuss one of the greatest films ever created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will be joined by Joe Compton next week as we discuss The Godfather. I can't wait to watch this movie. Sharon's never seen this, so I cannot wait to watch this with her. Yeah, and I haven't seen it uh, since college, so I'm excited to revisit it. Yeah, and I haven't watched this movie in a couple of years, if I'm being honest. It's been a few years, so I'm due. Yeah. Well, because I've listened to the audiobook within the last like year. Mm-hmm. So... I am going to have some things from listening to the audiobook and watching the movie again. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of notes that I cannot wait to take. Yeah. In discussing this film. So. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, and also, that episode probably will post a day early. So, yeah, Shane and um, Shane and Michelle are, are safe now. They're vaccinated. So, they are going to take a trip to lovely Miami, Minnesota, <laughs> whatever. She. <laughs> yes exactly um yeah that was also pretty funny that uh, was that also I, mean, I think honestly the i think the hardest i laughed was in the can can line uh when the football players were celebrating and oh like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love the 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 the, the minneapolis Lake, lakers left minnesota left minnesota for los angeles where there are no lakes yeah Utah- that first half hour was very good the jazz left New Orleans for Utah where they don't allow music. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> uh, that was something that Matt Stone and Trey Parker could have written. That opening monologue was very funny. It really was. I especially love the fact where they, <laughs> the Raiders moved the Oak move from Los Angeles to Oakland and back to Oakland. The people of LA didn't even notice. <laughs> right. Great. Yeah. yeah. Now they've gone to Las Vegas and no one in Los Angeles noticed. And no one in Vegas did either. <laughs> no, they didn't. Um, but yeah, so we'll be back next week with The Godfather. As always, please leave us reviews on wherever you, whatever uh, podcast service you use to listen to us. Uh, make sure that you share our stuff, like our stuff. Find us at plotaholics.com or on any of the socials at plotaholics. We also have some merch available over on the website. So take a gander. Mm-hmm. Um, and also while we're here, might as well as, uh, boost up a little of the YouTube stuff. Brian has been doing some tan talks, some short movie reviews of some newer stuff lately. Yeah. Um, um just did a uh, review of the Snyder cut of, uh, the justice league, a film that we're actually going to break it apart sometime this summer. I think Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to that because the longer I sit with it, mm-hmm. uh, I'm like having a, like I'm, my opinion about it is evolving. Oh, um, I can't wait. Like, I yeah. can't wait to watch it again to really get my feels for it. Yeah. Again. Um, yeah. But we will be talking about that this summer uh, as a part of our showdown summer where we pit originals against reboots or remakes. Yeah. Uh, or even director's cuts in this case, I guess. Yeah, that that's going to be fun. I, I can't wait to do that. We've also started we also started a new um, segment called Kaiju School where we look at the uh, the kaiju um the kaiju um formula what we like what we don't like what works what doesn't work and i'm very excited for this upcoming episode because it is going to coincide with the release of kong versus godzilla 
And I know you're you're a Team Kong guy, and I, I am. am a Godzilla fanboy. So uh, this will be a very exciting week uh, to 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 know uh, one another. I think so because I don't see us being on the same end of things. No, I don't either. Uh, Mecha Godzilla, though, right? <laughs> Mecha Godzilla, that guy. <laughs> uh anyway we will stop rambling at you guys now uh sorry i guess uh my apologies for the last hour and a half uh, <laughs> yeah. uh but we'll try harder next week yeah i think with the godfather we're gonna have a lot of really good good quality stuff and joe compton is always good to have on and talk film with oh shout out to um Eric Christopher Myers that brought up our um, discussion this past Halloween when we talked about Nightmare on Elm Street. So shout out to him on the tweet machine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, you guys. Uh, we, we love to shout you guys out when you uh, help spread the word. So keep it up and we will talk to you again very soon. Bye, guys. Take a trip with us to New Bog. Just promise not to drink the goo. If you get sucked into the matrix, matrix, we will send the phone for you. Do you believe in fate? Sometimes the end game is the perfect place to start. We're in the end game now. And other times you want to pretend the prequels were never a real thing. Let's just pod race to the end. It's working! Every as a plot hole And every hole gets filled somehow Whiskey, wine, or blue milk Just don't cut me off right now With a plot of holics A breakfast club or two We are the plot of holics Ripping plots apart for you. Shane and Brian are an island. Two real life misfit toys. Wanting to be a Robocop. Thank you for your cooperation. Settling for Black Circle Boys. And just like Dr. Hammond. Extracting amber from wood And later there's running and then screaming A little too busy asking if we could And never asking if we should But every movie has a plot hole And every hole gets filled somehow With whiskey, wine, or blue milk just don't cut me off right now With a lot of holics A breakfast club of two We're the lot of holics Ripping plots apart for you Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man